Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Show. Let's go to the text line. People are asking about C.J. Stroud, 704-570-9610. Here's Martin writing in, Wes. Mm-hmm. On Bryce and C.J., if they had Twitter in 1984, people would have been saying the Broncos blew it drafting John Elway over Dan Marino. I'm not saying Bryce will be better than C.J., but how about we let it play it out? There's another text coming in from 404 down in Georgia. Here's some Panthers talk. Bryce would be better if he had the same offensive plan that C.J. Stroud has had. You've shaken your head a little bit on this. You don't love where this conversation is going. Wes, tell yeah, the people why. I don't, because I just think that people love to, when guys start to to blow up, They, it's always hindsight, as if the Texans were this ready-made team waiting for C.J. Stroud to come there and be the missing piece. Nobody thought that the Texans was going to be in this space. Nobody preseason thought Nico Collins was going to have the year that he had. The guy was a fifth-round pick. Okay, then you talk about Tank Dale was a third rounder. And then this offensive line had to get shuffled all season long with injuries, including to Laramie Tunsil. So we need to stop acting like the Texans were a ready-made contender and C.J. Stroud just got dropped in there. He elevated the talent around him. You never heard of Nico Collins like that before C.J. Stroud got there. He elevated the talent around him. And now it looks like a well-oiled machine, but you didn't think that when he got there. And so that's my only thing about C.J. is that all these people are saying, well, obviously, yeah, Bryce doesn't have necessarily the talent on paper to be able to uh, go out and do the things that people think that he should do. But let's not act like in the same breath that C.J. Stroud is a guy that just got dropped into the middle of a team that either was on the cusp of the playoffs or that made the playoffs before he got there. All of this was a surprise to everyone. But what I will say, Queen City and anywhere else that you can hear my voice, is that uh, I still believe in Bryce. I still believe that uh, he can be a really good player. But I am in the camp now where I just don't think that he's going to end up on the level of a C.J. Stroud. Um, You know, it's just as far as the historic rookie season that he's had, uh, everything about him. And it's not just the on-field play and the numbers. It's the leadership. Like C.J. Stroud, from the moment he got here, it felt like he belonged. He told you as much from the press conferences, the things that he said when he beat Pittsburgh. And he told him, no, this is our stadium. Like he was talking like a 10-year vet. This is our stadium. We're going to run you up out of here. Okay? The leadership from his teammates. You see the camaraderie with those guys. They believe in C.J. Stroud. That has taken them to another level. And he stepped in there. And, and I told somebody the other day, I said, C.J. Stroud is – he stepped in and been the prototypical big college quarterback. What do I mean by that is that he's come in, all of his big game experience, all of the pressure of being a quarterback for the Buckeyes, everything that he did has translated over to the NFL. That game did not seem too big for him, and everything that C.J. Stroud did, plus the person that he is, the leader he is, the belief system that he has, has led him to be the superstar that he is. Some of that is missing with Bryce Young. 
I still think Bryce Young is going to be a really good player. I just don't know that he's going to be as great as what it looks like the future of C.J. Stroud looks like. Yeah, if we did a top 10 ranking like we do every single week throughout the Panthers season and Carolina was playing Houston now, even me, the guy that has been accused of disrespecting some of these QBs, C.J. Stroud would easily be number one. That's how much you have to think about what he's done. C.J. Stroud is... And I'm sorry, uh, Collins, not the interrupt. He's a third rounder, my bad. C.J. Stroud is fantastic, okay? Like, for me, I, I agree with you in that if you want to have this conversation from a place of good faith, then we shouldn't be stripping C.J. Stroud of any credit. Because what he you can't do, even with a great scheme like Bobby Slowick has brought to Houston, even with what turned out to be very good weapons such as Tank Dell and Nico Collins developing on the outside, being the deep threat Dalton and breaking Schultz. a million tackles. And Dalton Schultz has shown up time and time. You know, it it doesn't strip the credit that is deserved of C.J. Stroud where it shouldn't. But the, the disconnect that I think we have at least a little bit, even if we didn't think that those guys were going to be good at the beginning of the season, that's mm-hmm. true. That's 100% true. But we were wrong. Those guys are good. Tank Dell and Wes, you weren't even wrong, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not on Tank. You were as big an advocate of Tank Dell as anybody in my life. And I was with you. I liked him. Mm-hmm. But you were the one at the forefront of the Tank Dell parade. And you were right to lead that parade. Nico Collins, you have to also put in perspective, yeah, we didn't see him being this good of a wide receiver. Also, what that means is it hasn't worked out with... Two different head coaches, whether it be David Coley, whether it be Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks that were there, uh, Davis Mills, whoever was throwing him the football, he wasn't great. And also he had some injuries. He played 24 games in the first two season, seasons of his career. He played, I think, 16 in the regular season, uh, 15, and now you're seeing him play in the postseason. I, I just think you do have – it's true. People aren't lying when they say – there are better pieces that C.J. Stroud is working with. Both wide receivers, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, they're better than any wide receiver than the Carolina Panthers have. Yes. And that's true of Adam Thielen. I, Adam Thielen has been good. Tank Dell, I'll take all day. Nico Collins, I'll take all day. Don Schultz was better than Hayden Hurst. Bobby Slowick was better than Frank Reich, Thomas Brown. Laramie Tunsil was better than Nikki Iquanu. That's all true, even if we didn't see it coming. Because we can be wrong, and football's really hard to evaluate. So to me... I land where I think a lot of people are on the text line. We can agree that you got to be tripping a little bit to say that Bryce Young is going to end up as good as C.J. Stroud at this point. There is, there's, there's nothing to suggest that he is going to do that unless you just flat out believe everything you did pre-first season in the NFL and think the Alabama Bryce will show up and you just disregard everything that happened this last season. I don't think he's going to be as good as C.J. anymore. I don't think that's going to be the case. But what can happen is C.J. can be special and Bryce Young can still be a quarterback that you win a lot of football games with and be a pro bowler that you possibly get um, into the Super Bowl with or make deep playoff runs. Yeah, and so I see H.J. on the text line. He says, Wes, so you're saying Stroud elevated the talent around him. I am. And he hasn't benefited from the offensive scheme. I mean, yeah, he has, but... He says, when I watch the Texans play, I'm seeing seeing receivers run open, and I see offensive linemen that actually block. Not saying he isn't balling, but he's benefited from the play around him and scheme. He says, you can give Stroud credit and admit he was playing in a much better situation. And I'm arguing, no, he's not. People feel like that now. But coming into this season, the Texans were looked at as radioactive. But Nobody this is, this thought is this the was disconnect, be though. A, a good 
a good team and they thought this was a franchise that was on the downturn. But but you're you're not disagreeing. Like it's clearly a better situation. Even if we didn't think it at the beginning, it means we were it's wrong. It's better now, but I think he's had a big part in making it that way. Well, that's that's true, but everything was better than what Bryce had. Cuz I because because I think too that when you see a guy come in and do everything he was doing in college, like, C.J. Stroud is just like that. And in and the offensive coordinator, he definitely deserves his credit for putting him in the right Because it almost strips D'Amico. It almost strips some of these other guys saying C.J. Stroud is making what everybody else is doing. If you're saying, nope, C.J. Stroud is uplifting everyone else. Well, I mean, you can call it what you like, but at the end of the day, Bill Belichick's 44% winning percentage without TB12. So, you know, they, they could do whatever they want. If if they have Case Keenum back there, quarterback, we're not talking about the Houston Texans at all. These guys are not going to be head coaching candidates at all. These guys have played a part in it, and when you split the pie up of Houston Texans success, there's a little bit to go around, but there's no doubt about it. The straw that stirs this drink is number seven. So- he came in and, and has been everything that people thought he could potentially be coming out of Ohio State, and we saw everything he's doing now at Ohio State. But this is, this is I think, like it doesn't seem like if we have these predict- predictions going into every season, mm-hmm. we, we can't just take that as gospel, right? Like they're predictions because they're uncertain for a reason. Just because we predict it doesn't mean that we were right on it. Like we predicted that the Houston Texans were going to be an awful team this year. Mm-hmm. But we weren't right. And C.J. Stroud is a monster reason for it. This is why I think both things can coexist. Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud is a huge reason for it. But, man, it almost takes away your correctness in Tank Dell. Because Tank Dell, you said, was that dude. Mm -hmm. And Tank Dell proved that he was that dude creating separation. We, We can also watch the games, look at advanced metrics, look at totals, and say, Tank Dell got open. Nico Collins if we look at what he did once he had the football in his hands, like CJ does a great job of delivering an accurate pass to Nico Collins. Mm -hmm. But then he's out here stiff arming dudes and outrunning guys because of the athleticism that he possesses. And that's when CJ Stroud's throw ends. And then we got to give credit to Nico, right? Like some of this stuff is because they have a good quarterback where also other pieces can hold them down. So even if we didn't predict it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not true here. And I think that's why we can go ahead and say it still is a better situation, even if we didn't call it. I I, I mean, I, I can get what you're saying. I guess I just look at C.J. Stroud as a force multiplier, a turn that they like to put on a lot of people. You look at a guy like Nico Collins, to that point, he hadn't even crossed the 500-yard threshold. But I know, but that's because he's being held out like you, Case Keenum. And Davis True. Mills is starting. David Coley, Levy Smith, yeah. defensive and special but teams guys. But he's finally got a real dude back there throwing a the football that looks to be the next yes. superstar of the league, not just a good young quarterback that's on the come up. Like, C.J. Stroud looks to be one of the next superstars of the NFL, and that's the difference. We know that what was his M.O. coming into the draft? An accuracy specialist. I forgot. What did he that's call true. himself? Um, I forget. Uh, accuracy right. something. But was you, God in there? Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> was but so I'm in just there? saying, you put a kid in there that, yeah, this, so it, it was all a perfect marriage. You talk about Bobby Sloyd coming in with the schemes that he's got, and he's going to be able to scheme some guys open. But now you got a real deal quarterback that can throw in tight windows, throw with accuracy, doesn't turn the football over. And again, I just point to the rash of injuries they had on the offensive line. I, I was trying feverishly to look up. Uh, combinations of linemen that they had starting for them this year. And they had backups and guys that were not, 
you know, pedigree players coming in there in that offensive line, and they made it work. So the the one thing too, like Nico Collins played ten games last season. If he plays fifteen games like he did this year, we are looking at him on pace for what eight hundred yards. Uh, with Davis yeah, he Mills. Was- yeah, he was 48 yards a game. So you, you think about the seven more games he would have played at 50. That would have been another 300 plus. So he would have gotten close. He would have gotten 900. Eight, eight, yeah, he'd have gotten over 800. Like that's. Which in 17 games, that's. Eh. No, you're right. Yeah. But like, but with Davis Mills, like, yeah. okay. Like we can, you know, we can give him credit for that. You know, when Nico played 14 as a rookie, Tank didn't play at all because he is a rookie. Dalton Schultz was good. In yeah. fact, he was better in Dallas yeah. than he was in Houston. That's true. Don Schultz was better in Dallas than he was, but nobody's going to be crazy and say that C.J. Stroud held Dalton Schultz back. Yeah, he, and he was the guy Schultz. that when he was called upon, he makes the plays. Yeah, him. but he was better in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. But like nobody with a logical mind would tell you that C.J. Stroud held Dalton Schultz back, mm-hmm. and that's my point. Because you have more weapons and you have a QB, I just the situation's great. Fiddy, I know you had some thoughts on the situation. I just did not have on my bingo card for today show that we would all come in and maybe admit that CJ is going to probably have a better career than Bryce. But I don't think Les is wrong, man. Like you, you, you talked about a dude that set the record as a rookie for best uh, TD to interception ratio while leading the NFL in passing yards. Looked at what he did on Saturday, a 157.2 passer rating. As a rookie at home in his first playoff game, he was everything to the Houston Texans organization, what the Panthers drafted Bryce Young to be. He went into a toxic environment and stabilized an organization and brought winning football to a franchise that hasn't won in three to five years. Kind of like this Panthers franchise hasn't won since 2017 with Cam Newton. I I still think Bryce is going to be a really good quarterback. I think he can be a top 12 quarterback, you know, throughout his time in the NFL. The more I watch CJ Stroud, the more that you evaluate him, that guy is elite and he has elite traits. And I think if we go back to the draft process, if you watch his playoff game against Georgia and we would have been told that's him at the NFL, you draft that guy over Bryce Young. Yeah, and it was ball placement specialist. That was what. That's what it was. Himself. That's what on I, a text line. I was uh, like, "Oh, you going with uh, CJ Stroud?" Is shout not out the to Antoine on the text line. He Thank you, the Antoine the mailman. Yeah, that, CJ Stroud is not the kind of guy I think that would call himself a god. I don't think right. that's what CJ yeah. Stroud would do, based off what we hear in postseason press conference or post game press conferences. Yeah, I, I, this is because Fitty said I agree with Wes, and then you start talking about how special he is. Yeah, no, he's special. Like that, I think what's happening here is that we're trying to split this thing. Remember, only the Sith believe in absolutes, right? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you like that Star Wars <laughs> reference. I looked right at you when I said that. <laughs> but it feels like we're trying to divide this. Any when you say C.J. Stroud is crazy special, and we're stripping what everything else is in that organization, I think we're doing. If you're a C.J. Stroud fan, the very same thing that the other side is trying to do. And that's you. You perceive it as people stripping what C.J. Stroud means, when in reality, all of this stuff is true. Like C.J. Stroud looks crazy good, and is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and is ready to go against what had been a good Cleveland team. But also, when people say it is as we know it right now, 
a better situation than Carolina. I, how in the world can you deny that? But it's a better situation because of CJ. Like and I, and because others. Of, because I think if I think if Bryce Young is there, and, and maybe maybe you disagree. I think if Bryce Young is there, they don't win the division. They don't win a home playoff game. But that's and true. he doesn't stabilize a toxic and organization. And I was against the number one defense in the NFL. The second half of the season, those numbers went to fourteen because they were so based on turnovers. Yeah. But he destroyed them, right? Like. If C.J. Stroud is here in Carolina, do we think that he has that type of season? With Adam Thielen, I don't know. Like oh, you don't, oh, oh, with Frank Reich? Yeah, because I think Frank Reich wanted to coach C.J. Stroud. Oh, but this goes into your Reich was sabotaging Bryce Young thing. Well, also, like, you just, <laughs> I mean, you look at the way, you know, we, we go back to his pro day. Remember when they were doing, like, the, you know, the tour bus and everyone was going around? The way that Frank Reich and Josh McCown looked at C.J. Stroud it was different than I looked at Bryce. And I know it's stupid, but in this industry, that's what we do. That's the guy they wanted to coach. But we also were fooled when Marty Herney looked that exact way at Andre Dillard in Washington State mm-hmm. when it was the Brian Burns draft. And we're like, oh, the way he's looking at Andre. He wants his left tackle. He's going to roll with him. And then it was Brian Burns, the selection. Sometimes a happy face will fool you, Fitty. Remember that. Well, one thing I was going to say, too, you know, to close this thing out is that, you know, C.J. Stroud, I believe when you talk about Bobby Slowick and, and how great he's been, we can also point to the fact that I think he is confident making those calls and confident instituting the game plans that he's got going because of C.J. Stroud and what he knows he can do. Yeah, no, that's 100%. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, he ain't coaching scared because he, know he knows he does have a special QB. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Show. Let's talk to one of the best in the business out there in the media bone at covering, you know, uh, front offices and what should be done and cap situations. Uh, he is Bobby Marks, former exec in the NBA, now with ESPN, and he joins us on the Mac and Bone Show in Charlotte. Thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year, Bobby. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good, man. We appreciate. We don't call you Bobby at this point in the season when things are going well around here. No, uh, no. feels like deja vu every year, right? I, yeah. I, one of these times, one of these times, Bobby's going to be like, I stand on all my answers from last year. Just replay them. Bobby might just book himself and say, I know you guys need me here at some point soon. <laughs> what do you think? Like, that's the big question to me: is new ownership has to be looking at this, Bobby, and thinking it again. Mitch Kupchak, Steve Clifford, great guys. 
But new ownership's got to be Jones and to get their own guys in those positions, don't you think? Oh, I would, I would definitely think. I mean, even to the fact um, we've we've got our our annual big trade guides that will come out um, next week, and usually highlight you know what to watch, and it's usually a player, or a coach, or executive. For for me, it's it's the, it's the two new owners. Um, those are the two people to, to watch, um, just based on. Yeah, certainly. Um, who has authorization to make a big deal? If there's a deal, it'd be there. Does Mitch have authorization? Um, especially if the the intent maybe is to get to the off season, have somebody else kind of um, try to reshape this roster again. Um, there's a you know a bunch of a bunch of decisions to make. Um, certainly, I, um, the Miles Bridges. Uh, you know, for me, I would be looking to get off Miles. Um, I don't. I don't. For me, I don't see him being part of the future. I really don't. Even if you're only trading him for a couple second round picks, um, you know Hayward expiring contract, but he's hurt. Feels like that's kind of um, you know repeats itself there. Um, wouldn't do anything with Terry. Uh, I think he, unless you you know unless you get a really a great return, he's one of those guys that really fit in with this new collective bargaining agreement. Guy making you know twenty million dollars here, but at the end of the day, it's like you know if. if you know, you, you finally get Lamelo back, but if you're going to go through these stretches every year when he's missing 20, 25 games, it's you know it it, it hurts. It really does here. So you've got a um, you know you've got a bunch of um, you know you, you had a bunch of uh, decisions as far as what um, you're you're gonna um, you're gonna be faced with. Bobby, can you explain in depth the uniqueness of the Miles Bridges situation when it comes to his bird rights? Yeah, so you really, um, he, he signed a one-year contract. Um, it was, you know, the qualifying offer. A player um, who signs a one-year contract with his uh, with his previous team for, um, you know, more than, um, you know, a greater percentage from the, from the last year um, has a, um, uh, you know, one, like we call it one-year bird rights. And um, basically Bridges has veto power on any, any trade. Um, he has the right, and this is nothing that was negotiated. This is part of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, he has veto power in any trade, and if he is traded, um, his bird rights do not uh, transfer with him. So if he was traded, um, let's say, for example, to Miami, um, the Heat would not be able to re-sign him um, for um, the, the, the most they can and exceed the cap. You're basically you're basically limited to like 120 percent off this off this current year. So there's there's little advantage as far as if you're you know looking for if you're a team out there and you want to rent him, um, you know for the for the last whatever three or four months, um, then you can go out and maybe make a deal. Or if you have cap space, you might might want to sign him. But yeah, the, um, the that's the disadvantage of a player who signs these one year contracts here is that with you're the the trading team, you don't. There's not much of an advantage for the acquiring team because um, the inability to resign him to, to what he might think he he could earn. Bobby Marks, ESPN, uh, NBA front office expert, joining us. He's talking about those trade deadline pieces. He's got one um, uh, on the Hornets, ready to drop. Get ready to check that out at ESPN.com. Bobby, in fairness to the Hornets, because, I mean, we're disillusioned. We're, I mean, a lot of fans are saying they're numb. Other fans are angry at this organization and demanding changes happen, you know, sooner rather than later. We do have to talk about the fact that these last two years, you mentioned it with LaMelo. But it's been so much bigger than just him, have been so ridiculously unlucky, too, 
from an injury standpoint. Steve Clifford came back with his second stint, and as, I mean, just it's been a shell of his roster. I mean, how much better do you think this team would be if if it stayed healthy? Would it make that much of a difference, or 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 is this team basically not going anywhere with this core anyway? Well, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think what you would probably be where uh, maybe a little, I guess. Closer to those playing teams, I, I don't think you're top six or top seven. You're not where um, you know New York is, and um, you know some of those. You know Indiana, for example. I don't. I don't think you're in that. I don't think you're in that position. Um, you're probably one of these teams where Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta um, is Brooklyn. You know you're competing for a playing spot. You know similar to where it was. Um, you know when when James was Borrego was there. You know you were. You know, 43 and 39. I don't know if you're at your 500 team right now, but you're right. I mean, you've had so many different, uh, whether it be you know, Mark, Mark Williams that played well, and then, you know, he's injured. Um, you know, you've, uh, you know, Brandon's year has been kind of up and down. Um, um, you know, Cody Martin's been injured. Uh, I mean, the list of, I mean, the list of injuries that can go on and on. And as far as what, what you have here and, um, you know, injuries are part of it. I mean, you look at what Memphis is going through uh, right now. They basically have eight or nine players that are on the shelf. <clears throat> so, um, but it does feel like we we kind of go through the same thing every year with Charlotte as far as, you know, here comes the Lamel sprained ankle, Gordon's out, um, and now, you know, this is kind of who you are. Yeah. With Zach Lowe last week on his podcast, when you guys were talking Hornets, you called the Hornets a wild card. Does that go back to sort of the unknown of the new owners, or was it deeper than that when you said they were a wild card? Yeah, I think they're a wild card because there's, you know, there's some of these players out there, whether it be Zach Levine or um, probably wouldn't put Siakam in this, in that, in that conversation here. Like, you know, listen, if you, if you're, you know, if you're in the intent is to try to build your roster with cap space, which is, comes with a major caution flag comes with every year. If you're trying to do what Houston did and, and go out and get a couple guys, it's, it's, there's a high risk there. Um, you know, are you willing to dip your toe into the Levine talks as if it only costs you an expiring contract and, an, and another player and no draft picks? You know, that's, that's the big thing. Like that's kind of where I see it as a wild card. I mean, that's a, and that's, that goes back to what we first talked about. You know, it's $138 million commitment for the next three years as far as what you want to take in. And then if it's, if Mitch isn't your guy going forward, does a new, new front office want to inherit that? I mean, that's, you know, that comes, um, that, that comes with it. So, um, but they will be interesting because there, as I said, there's so much, there's a bunch of decisions. There's some guys on the trust that seems like, um, you know, Hayward's at 31 five, you know, another, you know, another example, it's like, you know, Andrew Wiggins has not been good in, in golden state, but do you think, you know, Hey, Wiggins in, in, um, in, in Charlotte, if it's if it's um, if it's Hayward, um, and you can get another player back with him, you, you know you're committing three more years at eighty five million dollars to that. Um, you probably wouldn't be able to get a guy like that in free agency, although he struggled this year. So those are the yeah, those are the decisions I think that you're you know if you're in, if you're in the front office that you're you're talking about. Um, you know, we've talked. You've talked about Lamelo a couple times. I want. I want you to kind of elaborate with your thoughts. Obviously, he signs the big rookie max extension this off season. He comes out of the gate and he's playing probably his best basketball. I mean, scoring assists all around game, but then the injury again. You know, then the yeah. ankle injury again. How do you feel about him as a piece? Like, is he? Worth the contract? Um, is he a lead dog on a team that is a playoff team in this league? Or do you have concerns about him, you know, and, and because of the injuries? What do you think? Yeah. Do I think he's a franchise player? No. 
I, I don't think he's a, you know, but there's, there's not many that are. I mean, there's only a, a handful of those guys out there. You know, the, the contract is based on circumstances. Like my colleague Brian Winhorse calls it the fun max, right? <laughs> there's no risk towards it. Like you're basically, you know, it's like buying a stock. There's, you're, you're buying it based on the upside. A lot of these players, um, you're, you know, you know, you're basing it off three or four years and his three or four years or three years before he signed it was uneven, right? Just because, you know, there was the injuries there and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think he's probably, a, you know, he's probably, he's a number two on a good team. Um, but as you said, you know, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, Curry didn't stay healthy in his you know, first three or four years either. And he, that's the reason why he was on that really good contract in Golden State. But for this team to go, they can't either. You have to have a really good backup point guard, um, which they don't right now. It's kind of been a little bit of a rotating door there, um, or he's got to be on the court. Bobby, who's a name of a player or two as we get ready for the deadline and your guide coming out? Who's a who's a big name player that you're looking at at the deadline that could possibly be moved? Well, I mean, I think it's you know we we, we certainly hear about Levine and, and Pascal Siakam, which will be interesting just because he's going to be a. Um, um, an unrestricted free agent with teams willing to kind of go out there and put a bunch of chips in the middle. I, I, I really think, um, and Tim Bontemps, we have another article coming out next week too, like where we take a look at this new CBA and how it impacts the, CBN at the trade deadline. We're at a point now where guys who are in, and, and Terry is one of those that I mentioned that guys in this 20 to $22 million range are more valuable than max players. Um, because teams do not want three max players on their rosters. They don't want three guys making $40 million. So if you can go out and get guys like Terry or Malcolm Brogdon or Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, there's a, there's a wide, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, there's a wide range of guys. Uh, DeJounte Murray in Atlanta, there's a wide range of guys out there. But, um, I mean, you saw yesterday, I mean, I was a, there was a trade yesterday with Detroit and Atlanta, but that's more of a, kind of just getting off money type deal here and take a flyer on some of those players. So it, it will be interesting because this is really the high spending teams. It's they're really their last big crack to go out and make a trade because the rules that are going to come in um, starting in the off season are really going to hamstring Golden State and the Clippers and Milwaukee and Boston and Phoenix and all on and, and these type of teams. All right, Bobby, we appreciate it. Front office expert from ESPN. Check him out on Twitter at BobbyMarks42. And check out his Hornets trade deadline guide and the guide to all the squads in the NBA coming soon, ESPN.com. Thank you so much, Bobby. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on The Kyle Bailey Show. 
Over 15,000 total yards. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. 16 NFL seasons. If you see this face, that'd be my school. Five Pro Bowls and countless memories. When a dog gets an x-ray, they've got that Steve Smith inside their ribcage. Steve Smith is on WFNZ. Ice up, son. He's back. NFL Network analyst, Carolina Panthers legend, Steve Smith Sr. Back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline here on MLK Day. Steve, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for still making the time for us. How are things? Uh, things are pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I enjoy the playoffs every year, but for some reason it feels like yesterday and the last couple of days were like extra good. Plus, we get playoff football in like 45 minutes, so I'm digging this weekend. How about you? Yeah, this weekend was good. Um, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of surprises. And and uh, I, I think to some degree um, the outcomes got, you know, the outcome of e- each one of these games, um, you know, as they, as you would say, I don't believe in that, but I would say the football gods got it right. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um <laughs> Pardon me. Let, let's start we'll, uh, with what I think will easily be the most viewed game of yesterday, Dallas and Green Bay. Um, what a game. It's not the result that I think any of us expected just in terms of how it went. But um, for the Dallas defense to give up that many points, for Green Bay's offense to look that way, I mean, mm. I know you've looked at it by now. What, what, how did it go that way? Were you shocked? <clears throat> Definitely shocked, right? Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not a Cowboys fan. Right. I'm also I'm really not a cowboy hater. Same. Um, you know, I think, you know, they were a good football team. Uh if you don't think they were a good football team, then you're an idiot. Um <laughs> right. I'm just being honest. Uh, <laughs> they were twelve and five, it's fair. Yeah. However, there's some people who are haters and will say, I knew Dallas was going to not show up. I'm really sitting in I didn't think Hey, I was shocked by the butt whooping that the Dallas Cowboys received. The score does not indicate what kind of football game and game plan the Green Bay Packers have for the Dallas Cowboys. Pretty much, would you say two and a half, almost three full quarters that the Dallas Cowboys really just never got their footing until the fourth quarter. So, in turn, like Mike McCarthy, right? Is that more on the head coach? Is it more on the quarterback? Like, these are fans' mm-hmm. questions that fans are asking today. Break it down for me because you know that blame is going to get pinned on these guys. But where should it fall? It should fall on, you know, everybody that's associated with the Dallas Cowboys, right? That's fair. Because when the wins go, right, everybody gets, everybody's getting credit. Oh, the kicker, you know, he did a great job in the holder, right? You Have, have you ever seen a football game? Where a quarterback throws a 99-yard or 82-yard touchdown, they go, man, they had no blocking up front. Uh, the center was terrible. The, the 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 running back, he's garbage. And that was just the quarterback. And the receiver that caught it and ran and broke a tackle, he's a bum. Right? Blame goes on everyone, just like success goes with everyone. Everybody, when you have success, the value of your franchise, the ticket prices, right? I'm here. We're here in Carolina. You can't raise ticket prices based off what just happened like this following year, right? Yeah, you can't two, two and two and fourteen. You can't you can't do that. So the blame is handed out. Who has a bigger piece? Man, I'm not getting into that because I don't I don't 
I don't know what their game plan was, and I'm pretty sure, and this is just my humble opinion, I'm pretty sure they, the game plan was not, hey, let's give them, what, a 27, 37-point <laughs> lead, and then we're going to just come back. Like, that. that's that's not what ha- That's not the game plan. But, again, if you don't have a dynamic running game, and you put it on one category, which is the passing game, you can get yourself in trouble. And and the reason I say that is if the Los Angeles, if the Rams and the Detroit Lions game, if the Detroit Lions were able to run a football in the second half a little bit better, they would have had right a bigger lead and it wouldn't have come down so close near the end of the game. It would have been over. At halftime, I think more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Steve Smith Sr. with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So follow me along here for a second. So I, I, I'm a broadcaster. You're a broadcaster. I'm a sucker for a good story. I think you like a good story at the very least. And so I'm, I'm looking at Jim Harbaugh going into the national championship game and saying, okay, here's a Michigan man, played at Michigan, three straight Big Ten titles. He wins a championship. He restores Michigan to its rightful place. He walks off back to the NFL to settle some unfinished business, right? Hell of a story. Um, I'm talking about Bill Belichick, gone from New England. Dallas doesn't have an opening yet, but that's all the chatter today. Um, You know, Bill Belichick is the guy to come in and get the job done with the current roster. I think that's an unbelievable story because Tom Brady is inarguably the GOAT. You can think there are guys more talented than him, but those rings say otherwise, right? If If Bill Belichick goes from presiding over the greatest dynasty that football has ever seen to restoring glory to the Dallas Cowboys, that makes him inarguably the greatest coach to ever coach football. Do you think that Belichick in Dallas happens? Do you think it's a good idea? Well, I mean, the way you broke it down, and I mean, you're sitting here, let's just say it, right? If I'm hungry enough and you put an a, a attractive dessert in front of me, I mean, how do you not? And that's what you just did. I just finished the workout, and you gonna say, "Hey, man, here's some chocolate cake." Now, I don't need, to, I don't need to, I don't need the calories, but my stomach is saying, "Hey, doggy, we hungry." <laughs> right? And and so I would say, man, that that's awesome, right? You already have you already have Jerry Jones and Stephen uh, 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 Stephen Jones who who are running the show, but they work hand, you know. Uh, step in step with the head coaches as we hope. But at the end of the day, Bill Belichick, who he is and what has happened to him, we all have heard the storyline, but let's just be honest. Every great coach, every good coach or good player at some time, at some point, very rarely do you get all, do you get to ride off in the sunset and everybody singing Kubaya just doesn't happen. And the reason why is because Bill Belichick has been there 24 years. At some point, it was going to come to a head because that's just how it goes. No one, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, no one ends somewhere where you've had so much success that you have so much success and then you just disappear. That that just doesn't work. You know, the I just watched on my way back from LA, I watched the Barry Sanders, Bye Bye Barry. Oh. And I watched that and that was remarkable. But to hear all these different opinions about how Barry should have handled himself 
right? That just shows you in sports, you're, it's never going to work where everyone feels heard, valued, when the biggest thing involved makes everything go round, money. Yeah. When money's involved, someone will feel slighted, overcharged, or just flat out feel disrespected because it's based off outcomes and transactions. And when you have those two things that are front and center, someone is going to be disappointed. Steve Smith, Sr., Panthers legend, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So, you know, you and I already decided we wanted to talk about the playoffs today, but obviously there's Panthers news attached to this. So last night, Lions beat the Rams on Sunday night football. Hell of a game, um, kind of a rock fight in the second half. And it was an amazing night for Detroit and their fans. So Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, hot commodity, arguably the hottest commodity in the NFL and coaching circles right now. I personally have the question, though. Like, I see, you know, insofar as someone who didn't play in the NFL like you did can, can see and appreciate his offense and what makes it work. I mean, you don't, have to, play, you don't have to play in the NFL to appreciate what this man has done. With I, I agree. I agree. And so this is where I, I really think you can, you can fill in some gaps, though, because on the other side, I see Dan Campbell. And we know how much leadership and culture matter in the NFL, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Ben Johnson's offense, and I'm impressed. But I'm listening to Dan Campbell, and I'm really impressed, too. And I'm wondering, is this just like a perfect yin and yang that's making this work? Is it Dan Campbell's culture leading the way that allows for the, well, the off? What, what do you think? Well, first of all, that's a great question. Dan Campbell is the head coach, and he's done a, a great job. Because here's the thing, and we've seen it. Just because you have unbelievable coaches and some good former players on the staff doesn't mean – that you just show up and all of a sudden that gives you a leg up. It's implementing a system, implementing uh, effective plays. Now, one of the things that I've done is a little bit of research on Ben, just from my own football knowledge, to say why I like or dislike this guy. And what I really love about him is everybody you talk to that talks about how and what he does things, man, he is an offensive guy who, as they say, sits in the lab, and he just draws up plays watching film about how and what he can do. He even draws up plays based and gets information on his, his own tendencies of what he normally calls and how he calls it, right? And so a great example, I was watching, I was rewatching his game this morning and watching the Rams um, and the, the Lions game. And I'm like, okay, he sets up, right? John Skip, uh, Skipper comes in and he, he, uh, he goes ahead and declares, touches his, t- touches himself to say, hey, I'm eligible, right? And they run this play with LaPlorda that I'm like, bro, why would the Rams ever put a defensive end on Sam LaPorta and think that was good? Well, that has to do with understanding if we run this formation, that's going to dictate this personnel for the defense. And then once we run this formation, and then we're going to shift to spread them out. And that means we're going to have people who normally cannot and will not cover a outstanding tight end. Right? Man, that's just smart football. Yeah. That's part of the football game that I'm still amazed at because this has to be your full-time job to be able to see something like that at that time to be able to make sure that that guy who you know cotton picking well can't cover covers our guy who we know cotton picking well can run the route to win and block up 
Trump well enough one of the arguably the best interior defensive linemen, uh, Aaron Donald, and at one point had three guys lined up on Aaron Donald blocking him while the other guys are solo. And Jared Goff is sitting in the pocket going through his reads like we've never seen Jared Goff go through his reads in a consistent basis like the Los Angeles Rams. That's the coach you're looking for. That's a rare coach. That's a Sean McVay. That's a Matt LaFleur. That's a um, all these great coaches, offensive-minded coaches that we've seen over the years. They're rare. They all, you know, run their course. North Turner was that guy at some point. But as he got older, things started to change. What I'm trying to say is a guy like Ben Johnson with all the, all these job openings is going to be hard to just throw money at someone if the roster is not up to standard. So to switch gears and transition to the Carolina Panthers, I don't know what they're going to do. And to be frank, until they get their general manager, until they get their head coach, no one really understands and knows what's going to happen until those people get in there. And then once they get in there, all we could do is patiently wait to see how and what they can, how they conduct themselves. Because when we hired Frank, we thought Frank was the guy, right guy. Then they let him go, or things kind of showed their showed themselves. Matt Lafle- Matt um, Matt Rule. You never know. 24 years ago when they hired Bill Belichick from the Cleveland Browns, they did not say, hey, this guy's going to get us six Super Bowls and be here for the next 24 years. And then you heard Mr. Kraft say he didn't get full control till after his third championship. <laughs> and people just assume that Bill Belichick ran the show. That time, All of those things happen over behavior and results that say yes. You can do that, yeah. right? I don't know a 71-year-old Bill Belichick is still the Bill Belichick that we know and respect. I still respect him, but I don't think I'm going out on a limb, and I don't think, based on what I've seen, that he's just going to bring three or four championships to the next team he goes on because he's Bill Belichick. I, I just, I'm not sure that is a reasonable expectation. Fair enough. Hey, Steve, we appreciate you. Uh, we will talk to you again next week. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.